Did you know you can watch this episode on YouTube? Search for Accounting Influencers Podcast. And remember to like and subscribe to learn even more from the best experts, thought leaders and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable and powerful with better data and insights. It's another edition of the Accounting Influencers Podcast with me, Rob Brown, interviewing experts all over the world that speak into the accounting and finance world. Thrilled to have with me today from Woodard, Stephen Hoffman. Good day, sir. It's good to be here, Rob. Stephen, for people that haven't come across the Woodard Empire and all the great things you do, like scaling new heights, tell us a little bit about your world. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, Woodard is based in the United States, and for uh, 15 conferences, we've provided scaling new heights. I want to say 15 years, but in reality, it's been 14 years because one year we had two conferences in one year. But we just completed our 15th conference. Uh, We had uh, just around 2,000 people in attendance. So it's a pretty large conference that we have there. And one of the largest accounting technology floors in the country. Uh, We had 130 different technology vendors that were on our floor. Uh, So it's pretty incredible with over 100 breakout sessions of of actual training and depth for accounting professionals. Uh, On top of that, Woodard offers a membership to firms uh, to help them in the area of practice management and advisory. Uh, we, we actually train and teach in six different areas of advisory, uh, operational, management, financial, knowledge, technology, and succession. And this provides the framework for firms to be able to offer these areas uh, of advisory to their clients and really move into that place of, of really being a coach uh, being that that fractional uh, C-suite provider uh, for, for clients that are growing. Uh, as well uh, as our membership, we do work with some of the largest firms in the U.S. and even global uh, with our CAS consulting services that we provide. So we really go the whole gamut when you talk about CAS, which is client accounting and advisory services, from you know zero in revenue all the way up to the the top 100. Well, that's what we're going to focus on today, Cass. We just keep it simple in the UK. It's the compliance versus advisory debate. So we're just wrapping up in advisory, but you've given it a much grander name. When we talk about uh, client accounting and advisory services, give us a definition of that, Stephen. It's something you talk a lot about. Let's make sure we're all on the same page here. Yeah, most definitely. So at Woodard, we we look at you know Cass as client accounting. Uh, In some worlds, people refer to it as bookkeeping, definitely in CPA firms uh, and the credential practices, you know, we we call it client accounting, but it's it's having clients books um, and keeping up to date with their books, 
we definitely train around real-time financial information uh, because that's what you need in order to move up into understanding what is going on and being able to, uh, you know, advise into your client uh, client's business. Uh, and so uh, it's important to have standardization, you know, modernization of, of getting an automated uh, tech stack that you're using uh, with your client's books. Um, and then from there, you can actually step up and move into the areas of controllership and then in the areas of advisory. Uh, we like to look at advisory uh, sort of like client coaching, actually. I mean, you're really becoming a business coach to your client. You're filling a need where they need that fractional C-suite support and help. They can't necessarily afford that. Uh, and so you're actually able to step in and provide that that can go beyond just tax uh, compliance and uh, you know, and even CFO services into other areas of their business. Let's get a, a little bit of context about this. We've just come out of a pandemic that affected the whole globe. We know that. Has the role of an accountant and a bookkeeper changed, Stephen? In your eyes, I think overall the industry is really starting to see a change. I think the pandemic forced a lot of people to again move into their homes um, and not into physical locations. Uh, I know in the United States, there's been a lot of laggards in the small business world in adopting cloud-based technology. And because of, of being a laggard to that, they ran into the oh no moment of all of a sudden now I have to be home, but wait, all my computers are on site and my you know, infrastructure is on site. And how am I supposed to function? How do I run my business? How do I even you know, run a payroll when I have to have the physical computer in front of me in order to do that? Um, or everything's, you know, by hand, or I'm calling up my accountant. And by the way, my accountant's not in the office anymore. Um, they're also stuck at home. Uh, and so it, I think it has really changed the game of how, you know, businesses are, are running through technology. Um, and it's really pushed us uh, to, um, you know, go cloud-based. What's really interesting to me is as we look through, uh, you know, COVID, uh, you know, you had companies like Intuit, you had a lot of payroll companies that offer cloud-based services. They actually grew 30 to 40%. Uh, they didn't stall at all. They actually grew because people, you know, ran very quickly um, onto needing some type of cloud-based uh, software. Uh, and with even government regulations, like we had the PPP in America, I'm not sure what you might have had. But, uh, you know, the government offered a lot of funding to help cover paychecks. And, you know, how do I run that? How do I administrate that? A lot of accountants in America got, you know, real stuck in PPP and trying to understand what that is. How do I get that money for my clients? And then how do we report upon that so we can get the forgiveness from the government um, and keep businesses running? Um, and so that, you know, I think majorly changed the game. Uh, and it helped put accountants more. Again, they're offering now advisory, something outside of just, am I keeping your books? Am I taking care of your taxes? Uh, but now, you know, through PPP, uh, the payment protection, um, you know, we're now advising you on what to do, how to get that money and help you through that process. In the UK, we called it fellowing, but it was a similar government support package for businesses. And let's talk about businesses for a moment, because they are making demands of their financial accounting, bookkeeping advisors right now that are much more complex and rigorous than they used to be. Navigating modern business and the economy and all the things that are going on, accountants are expected to do a lot more than just balance the books these days. So talk to us about what businesses want from their professional advisors these days. 
You talked about controllership. That was an interesting term. Yeah, and and that's and I think that's the reality of of what businesses need. Uh, a lot of them need more than just a bookkeeper on staff that's you know making entries um, and and you know keeping track of money coming in and money going out. Uh, they really need a controller to come in. Uh, they need spend management policies that are there. You know, understand ARAP and the translate. What is my cash flow? Um, and and what does my cash flow look like? I think you know at the end of the day, a, a business owner needs to know: Can I make payroll next week? Can I make payroll next month? Uh, and if I can't, you know, what do I do? And how am I going to bridge that gap? Because I have employees that I need to take care of. I know in the United States, I mean, the majority of businesses are small businesses, um, so they're not these large corporations, and and they're the majority of employers in the U.S. And and so because the sophistication of whether it's government regulations, where business is at today, in that there's not access to to, to easy money like we've had in the past, I think that there's a tightening down and really need to understand what are my economics um, and how do I translate that into knowledgeable insights and how do I put into place um, software that will bring me to real-time information um, as well as how do I report upon that to make better management decisions uh, with my company. And so there, we're really moving quickly into that area where um, controllership is extremely important. And for those firms that can define that and define the services that they offer and provide that, um, they they have an opportunity to to really grow and, and move away from, you know, I'm, I have this $300 per month obligation. Now I'm at a $2,500 per month uh, opportunity getting from that hourly billing to now I'm in value price um, and, and through this subscription value price, here's, you know, what I offer. And most importantly, it's not just about money. It's not being greedy, but it is about providing the services that businesses really need um, so that they can understand, again, what's my position? How do I create more efficiency and effectiveness? Uh, and and using and really um, having their accountant to, to be there to help them through this process. Having the accountants there is all very well. Presence is a factor, but there's a certain amount of upskilling that accountants are required. And I'm not talking about technical CPD, CPE type stuff. If you're going to be a, a, an advisor and think entrepreneurially, accountants traditionally have looked backwards. They've reported on what's happened, but now businesses are asking them to chart the way forwards, to be future focused and navigate the murky waters of VUCA. You probably come across VUCA, that volatility and uncertainty and complexity and ambiguity, that word. Businesses can do it, but accountants are not wired that way. Their qualifications don't teach them necessarily to do that. So talk to us about how you're helping them upgrade and, and what kind of things they need to do to help businesses. I think, too, there is a conversation going on, and I know this is like really heavy and, and, and maybe somewhat political in the U.S., if I can say that. Uh, but this whole idea of credentialed versus non-credentialed. So can I be in accounting and do I have to get a CPA? And in the U.S., we mandate, you know, 150 plus hours and that's the requirement. And a lot of people are saying, wait a second, we have a labor shortage. How are we going to meet that? And what does that mean? And so I think that when and you're Stephen, talking just about to interrupt, I've heard businesses hire software accredited professionals that are not CPAs to do all their bookkeeping and accounts. And, and they say, no, I don't need a qualified accountant. So you're right, this credential versus non-credential debate. Sorry, I interrupted. Do continue. Yeah, no. I mean, I think that there's a greater 
conversation that's going on. And I think this is a part of what's going on in the industry today. And I think as we're working with firms with a CAS practice, uh, that you know, does that CAS practice need to be credentialed? Can you have uncredentialed workers? And can there be a path to partnership for uncredentialed workers? Uh, as long as they are you know, bringing these set of services and and even able to move upstream into a level of advisory uh, through through frameworks um, and, and even technology. I mean, there's there's technology out there today that can bring strategic finance um, and that you know, do you need to be credentialed to provide um, that forward-looking advice? Uh, and you know, you have Plan Guru, you have Draft, you have um, uh, basis. And I think, you, you know, there's another, uh, other FBNA software that's actually out there and available that you can, um, utilize and add in the tech stack, uh, and provide what a client needs, um, for, for, for bringing that insight. And, and I think this is part of the change that we're seeing right now, because this is what, um, what, uh, businesses are requiring. Um, and then this is the bridge that's kind of being built from I'm offering basic accounting services to controllership, which adds on a layer, right? You have the payroll, the spend management, APAR, maybe some collections are in there. You know, there there's a number of those levels of services that you're bringing, some dashboards, KPI tracking, but then you move up a level to now I have forecasting um, and going more into that area of strategic finance, which is the more forward looking, um, you know, uh, uh, business practice and terminology. And and I firms that are starting to now understand this and adopt this and build this in are finding tremendous amount of growth. Uh, and not just growth uh, as far as customers, but even in revenue um, and success. And they can then get talent uh, and bring in talent that says, wow, there is a path. Maybe I don't want to be a CPA. I started on that route, but I don't necessarily want to be a CPA. But I actually see a future um, in this area of client accounting and advisory, and I absolutely love that. Um, there are a lot of younger people coming up that are um, that are saying, I'm very entrepreneurial, but I don't see myself you know, as a CPA. This provides the path for them, uh, and, and now you're able to get the talent to come in to be able to provide this service level to to clients. I'm really glad you brought up the talent issue. When I'm not doing my podcast and I record video interviews with employees of CPA and accounting firms to build their employer brand and create employee advocacy and really ask them the question, why do you love working where you work? Because most accounting firms' websites look the same. They make the same promises to potential employees. They have the same values the same career vacancies with career development and buzzwords around those. But what's missing is the proof that we are a great place to work and we really love our people. So I do those videos to create the stories and the evidence. But you're right, as much as you've got the stories and the proof, it's still a dwindling talent pool of qualified accountants. Less and less people are doing accounting degrees. There's a leeching of people coming out of public accounting, going into industry, doing other things, starting their own. So we do need to look at an alternative labor pool to say, right, how are we going to get the work done and serve these clients? So I love that idea of non-credentialed and being innovative in our thinking to say we can build an accounting firm with a range of expertise that can serve our clients, and some of them will be non-CPAs. That's the future, surely. 
Absolutely. And, you know, this is the, the, the aspect of leadership that I think is so important in firms today. You know, we're seeing a trend in some of the top firms to where we recognize we need to bring in a C-suite. Um, and so we're going to bring outside non-credentialed business men and women um, that can come in and be a part of our C-suite and really help us innovate. Uh, and there's a lot going on around that kind of innovation. But when you do that, you break open the box of partners that, you know, have been CPAs and have been doing business for the last 30 years. And this is the way we do business. This is the way you grow. This is what the growth track looks like. But then you have a lot of unsatisfied younger generations that are like, wait a second, we're not actually bought into this track and this path. And we want to see the innovation and the change. And I think some of the hardest, one of the hardest things in, in firms right now is how do you bring in innovation when change management is so difficult? Um, and it really, that at the end of the day, that's what comes down to leadership and being a strong leader. And I think that managing partners, you know, have to realize that I'm going to either retool myself so that I can start looking and thinking outside of the box, or I have to actually step aside and bring in leadership that can think and move beyond the box um, because the the times are changing and then they're changing rapidly and technology is changing and people and their thoughts and perceptions and worldviews really are changing so fast that if you want to be leading and you want to be first to the table for a lot of the revenue opportunity that's out here, you have to be willing to make those decisions. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but client accounting and, and advisory tends to be that redheaded stepchild in a lot of firms. It's like, we, we do this, we, we've done this, but it's not core. We want this to be core, but we really, we don't know how to get there. Um, a lot of times it's this, there's a lot of different industries. There's a lot of silos between different managing partners holding books of business. Um, there's not standardization in place. Um, some are wising up to have shared services and they're utilizing shared services, but shared services without standardization um, and industry uh, specificity is, you know, can really hurt you. Um, because, because uh, again, you can't be all things to all people um, and do that at scale. Uh, but you, you definitely want to look at that. What industries do I really want to own and grow in? What then is going to be my tech stack that I'm going to use where I can automate as much as possible? Cloud-based, should be cloud-based tech stack for my client. What's my practice management tech stack? And how can I communicate effectively with clients with democratization of data amongst my uh, CAS practice members? Um, and so I don't create silos. Uh, and then... Um, and then, you know, what's the standardization that's built around that that then allows you to open up the door to having shared services for the production work. So your in-house team's not doing the production work. You put in the review layers for your in-house team, but then the in-house team can own the client relationship. And then that's where they can move upstream by having the client facing meetings and ensuring that you're taking care of your clients. And you can even be as innovative as saying, you know, why do I have to have you know, video face-to-face -face meetings. If I'm doing controllership, why can't I even just make pre-recorded videos every month going through, here's everything going on with your business, here's your review, and then move up to, if you want more face-to-face -face time, those are the advisory layers that we're bringing in. Um, and, and that will help you 
especially with some of the, the problems, the issues that we're having with labor right now. Um, but it will really set you up for success and scale and providing incredible service to your customers um, that, that's needed for today. Uh, and so, you know, this is kind of what firms are doing and moving into the future um, and how to combat with the shortage that we have today. Um, but I know I just threw a lot out you. So there's a lot that's there that, that I really said. <laughs> I've only got 112 questions on the back of everything you've just said, Stephen. It, it comes down to this. Innovation sounds great. And a lot of accounting professionals will be listening and saying, well, it's all very well, Stephen, saying that. But I'm, I'm hitting my head against the brick wall with the, the cohort of partners in my firm. Mark Koziel, head of Lineal Global, spoke at the International Accounting Forum and Awards event in London just a couple of weeks ago, an event that I chaired. It's ran by the International Accounting Bulletin. And he said the partner model, the managing partner role is dead in a firm. The partner model is dead. Partner comp is a thing of the past. And he said, well, how can you have a managing partner? Because partners cannot be managed. And partner comp and, and the hierarchy of things and the way it's been, it has to change. He talked about the C-suite mentality that you're alluding to. But if you want to affect change in an accounting firm, there's so many vested interests. There's so many pots of gold that need to be guarded. There's so many exit plans and equity positions that need to be held. How does an accountant in the rank and file and um, below partner level affect any kind of change when you've got this legacy system? Speak about that for a moment, if you dare. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I think that's what's being asked right now. <laughs> so I think that's the conversation that's going on. Um, and and how can we be effective? Uh, you know, I you talk to a lot of directors of CAS, and I think they have a lot of great ideas. Um, they get the thirty thousand foot view of what needs to get done, and they understand that then going all the way down to the ground level, um, there's a lot of work that's going to take place, and there's not a lot of capacity necessarily for that. Um, and so it it really comes to you know how can we move the executive level to say please empower please resource what we need. And, and, and a lot of times, again, the executive level, they, you don't need that. I mean, that's not necessary. Um, and, and they do hold back where their firm's going to go. So it's, it's really going to be that the, the, when the executive level, you know, understands um, and continues to, um, I think, you know, evolve that it will empower the, the kind of the mid manager level to go um, for the mid-manager level, I would say, and they're listening to this and wondering again, what do I do? You know, don't give up. Um, continue to resource yourself. Continue to learn. Continue to educate. Continue to grow. Continue to get the vision and the idea of where do we need to go and how can I clearly communicate it to managing partners um, so that that they can see here's you know a solid vision. Here's you know a solid framework. For, for where we should be or, or how we could get there um, and, and continue to make that case. Um, and I think, you know, in the years to come, we're already seeing change and I think more change will come. Um, you know, we also have, look, a lot of boomers are hitting retirement um, and they're also leaving. Um, and so there's a, this exit that's starting to happen right now. Um, and so these next 10 years are going to be highly pivotal in, in what's going on from a number of factors 
of, you know, already managing partners are getting some leadership training and exposure. As you said, influencers are really speaking um, on to what changes need to happen. And as they start adopting them, uh, as those retire and leave um, and the next generation comes up and is able to lead, um, there, then there's going to be empowerment to, to move forward and to make the change. And, you know, for the firms that are, that are struggling, uh, you know, this is why you have outside consulting groups that, that are able to come in. Um, and look, Woodard's one of a, of a few that are out there. So it's not a shameless plug for us. But, um, you know, don't be afraid to bring in that outside expert view that has experience working with managing partners. Um, because it's, you know, what you're dealing with in your firm, many, many others are dealing with as well. Um, and there is hope change does happen, not always as fast as we want, but sometimes a big ship, it moves slowly, but eventually it does turn and you get in the direction you want to go. Uh, it, it does just take time. I like to tell people this life, business, work, career, it's not fast food. And so if you just step back for a minute and remember things don't always happen at the time that you want them to, but they will happen um, if, if you're committed and if you have clarity and if you have courage. And if you bring those together um, in what you do, then then you will see you will see change. And sometimes it just takes longer than, you know, uh, with the time frame that you really want. But if you remember that, that life's not fast food, it will be amazing what you can do. There are very few people that, that hit it, you know, at a very young age and find that success. I mean, less than 1%. And I think sometimes we're so filled with influencer world that, all oh, man, change should happen. It should happen fast in my world. It doesn't always do that, and that's okay. Um, but over time, with that commitment, courage, and clarity, um, you can find that change. I'm just reflecting on the three words you said there, commitment, clarity, and courage. All very noble traits, character traits. What skills do you feel accounting professionals are going to need over the next few years, Stephen, to stay relevant, to stay competitive, to stay in the conversation? There are threats and, and opportunities coming from all sides in this profession. We call it profession, you call it an industry. What skills do you feel these players need to upgrade or adopt or fine tune to stay relevant and competitive? You know, definitely from a technology perspective, we have so much change in technology. Uh, it, it amazes me that there are, you know, still companies that use almost DOS style software. For Excel spreadsheets still. And, I, and I'm not going to bring, you know, any names of companies that, that provide that kind of software. But uh, it's 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 amazing to me how how it is, uh, you know, very behind. Um, and it's not just having a great UX UI, but what's actually the functionality and, and where are you able to pull in data and understand where's our source of truth? Where does that resting? Um, and then how am I be able to build stacks with all the different data coming in to go to that source of truth and to be as automated as possible? I think that's something that's really important. I think, you know, when you look at pricing, you know, understanding subscription, understanding recurring revenue model and really being a student of that. Um, Ron Baker has a great book called Time's Up and it, it goes over over a lot of, uh, you know, the uh, subscription model. And, and, and I bring up that book because there's plenty of others. I was in SaaS software for years. So, um, you know, I know the recurring revenue, but it, it is relevant for accounting firms. It's written to accounting firms in the industry. And I think that that's something that, you know, again, is important to, to understand and to get a hold of that because that can really help you um, in understanding how do we, you know, build the pricing. Um, and, and I think that, you know, we have to be able to to change um, and learn about change management and how can I change and be willing to change um, quickly as the needs of my customers force me to. 
And instead of saying, well, this is how I do it and this is how I'm always going to do it and keeping, you know, putting your stake in the ground and not willing to change, wait a second, what's going on in the market, economy, et cetera, that is causing, you know, the needs of my customers and how am I changing my services and my offerings um, to meet what my customers actually need? Um, and that will be, I think, really, really powerful. Um, and there's a lot more, but I think, you know, again, if, if you're running with, with, with some of this mindset, it, it can really help you. Stephen, we'll put your contact details in the show notes to yours and Woodard's. But just in closing, what message would you give to the leaders out there that are affecting change, that are setting an example, they're defining culture, they are setting up the structure of firms and business models, they have the big say, the voice, the influence. What would you say to them in the face of many threats, opportunities in a changing world? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, being that kind of leader and 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 being willing to really have that vision of what's ahead and then make those hard changes. Um, leadership is tough. It's rough. There are days when you feel that weight on your shoulders um, and it's pretty, pretty heavy. But as mentors have said to me in the past, uh, hang in there. And, and that's true. And you think that's so trite to say, hang in there, but literally hang in there because the hard work um, and, and the commitment and the willingness to change, um, it's going to put you at first to the table to a lot of revenue, a lot of opportunity, um, and, and, and really set you, um, your company, um, and, your, and, the, and all stakeholders involved um, up for a tremendous amount of success. Uh, and I think, you know, as a good leader, it's not necessarily about yesterday's data point or tomorrow's data point, but over time, as I look back over time, and I think you'll get that perspective of what you're doing and what you're pioneering and where you're going over time. It might come 10 years from now, but you'll be able to look back and say, wow, this is absolutely incredible. But when it does, you know, when it is tough, when it is difficult, uh, when it, when at times it seems like you hit that wall, um, hang in there and, and really remember that. A great call to arms. Stephen Hoffman, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thanks so much for your passion and your insights. Thanks, Rob. Great to be here. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable, and powerful with better data and insights.